Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning, I got Mark and Dallas Hensley going to share just with our time of ministry. Um, if you have not met them, we God has expedited our relationship with them. We haven't known them that long, but it feels like We've known them for a long time. They are members of Harvest Time Church, and they have a they have a nonprofit ministry that they do. So I'm not going to take up a whole lot of time, but we are going to welcome them. We're going to give them the pulpit. We're going to have ears to hear this morning all of the things that they're uh, going to share with us. Uh, so can we just give them a hand clap and welcome them this morning? Thank you, Pastor Noe. Before Mark brings the word today, I'm going to share a little bit about who we are and what we do. Um, as Pastor Noe said, we're members here at Harvest Time. We've been in and out for about uh, a year, which is a little disconcerting to some of you because you're like, the Hensleys are here. The Hensleys are gone. The Hensleys are here. The Hensleys are gone. The reason that happens is because we're missionaries and we travel frequently, but we love getting to come back to our home church and be with all of y'all. Mark and I founded a ministry called Blue Fire Legacy in December of 2015. Um, God called each one of us to step out of our professional vocations and into full-time ministry. In addition to teaching and writing, we assist leaders and ministers from a variety of denominations. All, All of our ministry services, did you catch that? All of our ministry services are offered without fee to our clients as God has asked us to not charge for services. In some cases, they can't come if we were to charge. So I'm going to talk about our logo. Our, our logo actually is a blue flame, and it has five points on that flame, and it has a circle around it, and across the top of the circle, it talks about the five different arms. And so I'm going to tell you what those are. We have a healing arm, a teaching arm, a publishing arm, a retreat arm, and a worship arm. With such a large scope of ministry, Mark and I knew from the very beginning that we could not do it all. And we would need to bring others into the ministry to work in their gifting and their calling to help facilitate the arms of the ministry. Currently, we are the only staff. However, we've been blessed with a very supportive board and volunteers over the years. We are hoping, we are really hoping, and you can join us in praying for this, that this year we get to bring on additional staff to help with the counseling load. Because honestly, it's more than we can take on. So we really need the help. Counseling with ministers and their families falls under the arm labeled healing, which also encompasses coaching and inner healing work. We meet in person as much as possible. um, But because we minister internationally, we can't always meet in person. And so we use the next best thing, and we wind up meeting a lot of people on Zoom. We also offer three to five days of consecutive counseling where they come to us. We have various places across the United States to offer this. Um, And this is called an intensive. The reason it's called an intensive is because we meet with them for six to seven hours each one of those three to five days. We're all tired by the time that week gets done. The teaching arm focuses on our speaking engagements, whether that happens to be in small groups, weekend workshops, revival services, or preaching. We've had a few occasions where we've also been able to teach on the international level. The publishing arm of Blue Fire Legacy has already produced four books. There are two discipleship studies, one on forgiving and grieving, and some how-to tools, and the other is on spiritual warfare. We have a collection of 52 devotional stories 
those stories are on the adult level. And we have Jenny Lynn versus the Guinea Hens, which is our first children's book. The second one is um, about Jenny Lynn's experience at the science fair. And it's currently in the storyboard phase, which is the sketching artwork. And it's scheduled to be printed this fall. Blue Fire Legacy currently owns land in Colorado. And that is set aside for our future building site for one of our retreat centers. This retreat location is named Legacy Heights. And it rests in the foothills overlooking the valley between two different mountain ranges. And it sits at over 8,000 feet. Their retreat centers will be used for rest and relaxation, as well as therapeutic activities. The last arm is the worship arm, and it aims to bring multiple churches together in any um, local community. And we believe that worshiping together um, brings that unity across the body of Christ. From there, the churches can begin to work together to impact their communities for God's kingdom. The events are participatory rather than performance-oriented, um, and leading with worship flags and teaching about flagging also falls under this arm of the ministry. So that's a real quick blitz. Oh, look, we have slides. Okay, that's Westcliff Worships, which was the community where um, we lived and um, close to where we have land for the retreat center. We've only begun to scratch the surface in these few minutes of sharing the ministry with you. We'd love the opportunity to speak with you. So if you can catch us after the service, we would welcome that. If you want to know more about us or Blue Fire Legacy, we have these vision, history and vision pamphlets that are available on the table out in the foyer. And you're welcome to take one of those. You can also see that information in a flip, back, a flip book format on bluefirelegacy.org. Thank you for letting me share a little bit about what we do and who we are. I'm going to lead us in prayer before Mark comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are above and beyond anything that you could do for us. You're worthy of our praise because of who you are. Lord, we ask that you would bring your word through Mark and that you would touch each person that is here with a message that is built uniquely for them because your Holy Spirit translated it for exactly where they are. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. It's so good to be in my home church to speak. Normally, I get to stand in front of a bunch of faces that I don't know. I might know a few people at the church because we've been invited. But today, I get to know some of the people. There's a lot of you I don't know yet because we haven't been here that long. But... Here's how this works. I might call your name if I know your name. I might use you as an illustration in my message. I actually, I got permission from one of them. Um, one of you there. But I will preach better if you don't just sit there and be quiet, but if you talk back to me. I know a lot of times you're told, oh, in church, you gotta be quiet. Speak back to me, it's all right, it's good. So back in February, we were up in northern um, Texas, and the Lord said, not that one, find the right tab. Um, the Lord said, your next sermon is going to be out of Hebrews 12 on the passage on discipline. I went, discipline, Lord? I don't even know where I'm going to be preaching next, or what, who, what church that is. And discipline? That's not a very warm, fuzzy topic, is it? And God and I have a pretty fun relationship in that he allows me to talk to him and go, really? And I, I'm kind of like Peter in The Chosen where Jesus finally turned him and said, are, really, are we going to have a debate about everything I say? Hmm, yeah, kind of. But he, God knows I'm going to do it anyways. We just have to get there. And what he told me was, but Mark, 
you get to tell them about my heart. That's my favorite topic, the Father's heart. Is that not a cool topic? So discipline sounds like it's not anything fun and warm and fuzzy. But let's put a foundation of the Father's heart before we go talking about discipline. The Father's heart of love. See, I know that in this room, every one of you has an earthly father. Now, they may no longer be on earth. You may never have met your earthly father. It may be a stepdad. It may be an adopted dad. But every one of us has a father here on earth. My dad was emotionally absent. He was physically present in the home up until I went to college, looking at apartments, and he decided to move out, so I had to move back home. But he was emotionally absent the whole time. And you know what I did with that? I looked at Father God as emotionally absent. See, our earthly dads give us a lens through which we look at Father God. We all have our lens. Some are tinted this way or that way or the other way. But it skews our perspective of the Father's heart. And it took me a lot of time and work to come to a place that I could understand Father God's heart for me. And I made a lot of bad assumptions about his motivations because of it. And I know there's people in this room that have done the same thing. And maybe even today you're doing the same thing. Jesus, I can understand. I can, I can relate to Jesus. But Father, ah, that's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. But let me tell you about his love. His love is perfect, unlike our dad's loves here on earth. My kids have a father here on earth that loves them, but my love is imperfect for them. God's love is perfect for us. And I get just a glimpse of it in being a dad. So there's a picture that was taken 29 years ago that that day, 29 years ago, yeah, I was a little skinnier then, I held my oldest daughter for the first time. Now, when we found out we were pregnant, we weren't excited. It wasn't planned. It was an inconvenience. It wasn't what was in our purview of good. And we wrestled. But that day that I held her, my heart changed. 29 years later, that little girl and my other daughters and now my son, who is married in, received from me something called unconditional love. You see, that little creature that came into my life For the first, I don't know how long, all she did was scream at me, <laughs> demand stuff from me like food, and then spit that food back up on me and put it in a diaper and make me change the diaper. All she did for I don't know how long was not pleasant. But my heart loved her unconditionally. And there's nothing she can do. She's tried. She's 29. She's tried. There's nothing she can do to lose my love. You know why that is? Because she didn't earn my love. She can't unearn it. That's Father God. We have not earned his love. We cannot earn his love. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. We can't repent enough. We can't serve enough. We can't worship enough. 
to earn his love. But the day we were born, really the day we were conceived, my son, my daughter, that I love. And we can't lose that love. So let that be the foundation of this message, the Father's heart of love. Because when we talk about discipline, we have really negative concepts of discipline. So this passage, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. This passage comes after one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. Well, Hebrews 11, you're just going on, and Abraham did this, and Moses did this, and David, and you're all built up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you come into Hebrews 12, and the first one is, therefore, throw off every weight that hinders you, and go into um, the, uh, you're ahead of me. It should be a blank slide right now with the, just the background. Um, throw off every weight that hinders and run with endurance. Put away the s- sins of cling so closely and r- get this race going. And then here we come into this concept of discipline. Why? Why after building us up, live in faith, does God choose to bring us to discipline? Well, we talk a lot in the church about being disciples. Well, to be a disciple requires discipline. To be a disciple requires discipline. Look at those two words. All of the letters in disciple are in discipline, every one of them. You add an I-N, that's, that's the difference. So when Michael's out there as the drum major for the Black, or Bay City Black Cat Marching Band, right? He goes to the percussion and goes, you know what, y'all have a beat, just do the beat you feel. Just whatever you feel, just do that beat. And then he goes over to the trombones and, you know, just make sure you don't hit anybody with the slide. And then he goes to the flutes and they go, eh, just do something pretty. Is that what you do, Michael? No? No. You expect discipline. You expect them to be reading the same music, I hope. It works better maybe even in the same key. That really works better. But that marching band, if they did not have discipline, you wouldn't want to listen to them or watch them. It might be kind of like a circus, so it could be funny, but it wouldn't be good to hear. So we have discipline in a marching band. What about in a church? We need to be playing off the same music. We need to be following the same conductor of Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Trinity's a whole nother message. I'll let Pastor Noe do that. He's more educated than I am probably. Um, But we have to have discipline. But because of our earthly dads, some of us have a really negative view of discipline. What's the difference between discipline and punishment? I'm not a fan of fraternities. And it has nothing to do with fraternities. It has to do with a certain fraternal pledge board that my backside got to visit on a regular basis growing up. I'm not against spanking, but how you do it matters. Spank in love, which for me, with my daughters, meant my hand because I needed to feel it as much as they did. 
See, punishment pushes you down. It suppresses you. It keeps you low. Discipline comes alongside you and helps you up. See the difference? Punishment can come from anywhere. If I do something wrong and break the law and stand before a judge, that judge doesn't need to know me to met out punishment. But for me to be disciplined, I need relationship. Discipline can only happen in the context of relationship. Let me say that again. Discipline can only happen in the context of relationship. So when we read about the Father's discipline, we have to be in a place of relationship. So why is this a good message? Why initially when God said, Mark, you're going to preach on discipline, I went, ooh. But then he said, no, Mark, this is good. It's encouraging. Well, let's get into the scripture and look and find out. Start in verse 5. And I put on the slide two translations of the first half of verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Exhortation isn't a word that us Americans use very often. So the New Living Translation. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? That's how the writer of Hebrews set this up. The encouraging words. And then we go into a quote from Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. So the second half of verse 5. My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Pastor Noe preached on that a few weeks ago in the Family Matter series. And then we go on. It is for discipline, verse 7, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate child and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to this father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness." For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So now we're going to look at this encouraging word of discipline. Let's break it down. Who does the father discipline? His children, his sons. Those whom he loves and he receives. What's not on that list? It was in verse 8. If you are left without discipline, you are illegitimate children and not sons. I'm going to pause right now. I'm going to take a break from my notes and I'm going to ask, is there somebody here that as we were singing this morning about our sins being nailed to the cross in new life, your heart was being tugged? I want that. The Father right now is saying, Come, 
I want you to be my child. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to wait to the end of this message. We can take a break right now. This is God's time. So if your heart is being tugged right now and you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to do the bravest thing in your life, and that is just stand up right now. Okay? The offer is open. The Father's waiting. If you need to do that in quiet, that's okay. But be a child of the God that loves you more than anything, that he sent his only son to die on a cross. Not that he would be um, blessed by it other than to bring more children in. He did it sacrificially for you and for me. And all it is is saying, I believe you are God, and you died for me, and I repent of my sins, and I accept your free gift. Remember that earn it thing? We can't earn it. You just accept the gift. So that invitation is open. Oh, and if in a moment you decide, you know what, I wasn't brave enough to do it then, and you just feel like the moment is, interrupt me again. It's okay. So discipline happens in the context of relationship. Here's the slide for that one. What is the process of discipline? Here's the hard part of the message. The process of discipline. Verse 5 and 6. Do not be weary when he reproves you or chastises his son. Reprove and chastise. So the first step of discipline is reproof. What does reproof mean? To rebuke or reprimand, sometimes severely. I don't like this word yet. The Greek, it's a word that starts with an E, ends with an O with a little thing over top of it, means to reprimand and convict by exposing sometimes publicly, a wrong. Still not liking this word. Anybody else here liking this word? Because I'm not liking this word. To rebuke or reprimand, to convict, to expose. What is not in that definition is to shame. God does not shame us. That would be punishment. And I have seen the church do a very poor job in my history of discipline. And they've brought shame in. Not this church. This church is perfect. Just don't tell Pastor Noe. But other churches... Years ago, I walked with a young lady who got pregnant, senior in high school. It was date rape. She was where she shouldn't have been. She didn't say no strong enough. But you know what the church that she belonged to did? Where her dad was a deacon or elder, whatever he was. He was in, I mean, he was embarrassed and all that. You know what the church wanted to do? They wanted to put her up on the platform and shame her. That is not the father's heart. Instead, what the father wanted to do was come along and say, my daughter, I love you, and I love that baby. And 30-some years later, that baby, as far as I know, grew up in a Christian home because that girl put it up for adoption to Christians. And that little girl that was born all those years ago got to live life. Not because of the shame of the church, but because of the Father's love of 
I want to come along you, beside you and bring you up. When we encounter others, and I'll get to this a little bit later, we got to be gentle in how we do it. We got to have that father's heart. The reason I started with the father's heart is because none of this works well without the father's heart. Which means we have to take the father's heart on when we're talking to others. How does God reprove us? I still don't like the word, but I've been under it a lot in my life. The first thing he uses is scripture, his word. 2 Timothy 3.16. I can't read that far away. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Scripture, I read through this every year, almost every year. And every time I read through it, there's something new. And you know what? My life reflects this because it's in me. And as I read, I go, oh, wow, Lord, I had never, I've read, read this so many times and I hadn't seen that before. But a lot of times it's, oh, Lord, I messed up. And he goes, yes, son, let me pick you up. Let's raise up. He doesn't push me down. He raises me up. He uses his word to reprove us. He also uses teachers and authorities in the church. Pastor Noe has great responsibility. So Paul, writing to Titus, said, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So that's an instruction to a pastor. Those of you that are not pastors, which is the majority of you, guess what that means? You need to come under that authority. He has a responsibility. And when he calls you and says, hey, Jim Bob, I noticed you haven't been in church for in a month. You okay? One, it's coming out of a heart of, I care about you. I've gotten to know Noe. His heart is as a shepherd for you guys. But two, how you respond. Oh, well, you know, I've been busy. I've been. Just admit it. I got upset about such and such, or, you know, I decided that I wanted to fish more than I wanted to be in church. Yeah, just admit it. Be honest about it. And then come under his authority. If you're a member of this church, you're under Pastor Noe's authority. Come under it. He also uses other believers in reproving us. And this is the part where we get to be gentle. In Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers if, and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. How we do this matters. Come alongside and help up. Do not push down. So what is the result of reproof? Reproof leads to pain. Verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Pain. So reproof leads to pain, discomfort, uneasiness, unpleasantness. How many of you enjoy pain? None of you, hallelujah, dreamed about somebody actually raising their hand in an illustration that I got out of that, which was really kind of scary. So I'm glad none of you enjoy pain. 
So what do you do when pain comes? You can't avoid it. It happens in life. You start to change. So reproof leads to pain, which leads to change. And that is growth. That's the point of discipline, to be disciples. We change. And the result of discipline, verse 7 says, endurance. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Now, I'm going to read a couple scriptures, but I'm not going to preach on them because that's a whole other message. And Noe said I only had 60 minutes or something less than that. So the first scripture is Romans 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings? What? Um, Knowing that suffering produces endurance. But look at this. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Hope. I like that. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And there's God's love again. You see this? It's a love story. Put all the trashy romances away and pick up the best love story ever written. And then James chapter 1, verse 2. Oh, we're 3 and 4. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, fastness, which is endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And verse 2 talks about having joy in trials. An encouraging word that the Father disciplines us brings us to a place of endurance, which gives us hope and completeness, lacking nothing. The second thing that the discipline provides is respect for the Father. Verse 9, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. So shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? I don't know about you, but Father God, in his discipline of me, has been so gentle and loving that I can't help but be in awe of him. I can't help but respect him. I can't help but want to do what he has asked me to do. That's respect. To do what he's asked me to do. I want to because of his method of discipline has been love and bringing me up. It is also for our good. Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best. But he, God, disciplines us for our good. It's for our good. The Father's heart is love, and he wants the absolute best for us. My kids have no idea how much I want the best for them. I mean, they may have an inkling, but they don't know the depths of it. And we don't know the depths of Father God's love for us. I, mean, I have an inkling, but man, he wants good things. He wants the best. He wants us to live a full abundant life and holiness and righteousness into verse 10 for our good that we may share his holiness and his righteousness in verse 11 we get to share in the characteristics of Christ years ago I made the declaration that my life goal was to be like Christ. I ain't made it yet. But I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep pressing into his holiness and his righteousness because he's loved me. 
I know Angel says that she's his favorite, but really I'm his favorite. (laughs) He loves us so much that he's willing to discipline us so that we can have, verse 11, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Just think about that word, peaceful fruit. Let that soak into you. The peaceful fruit. How calm is that? How wonderful. Fruit provides nourishment to others. He doesn't want you just to be good for you. He wants you to grow for others. When we submit ourselves to the Father's discipline, we can have endurance. We can respect Him. It's for our good. But there's that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Do you have that in your life? Can you look at your life and say, you know what? I'm experiencing that peaceful fruit of righteousness. Not everybody here can say that. Some of you are going, Mark, hmm, I've been bucking against the Father's discipline. I thought he was punishing me. I cowered down instead of looking up. I didn't like it because it was painful. So I ran from him instead of changing. As we close out, take the time to look at your heart. Look at your relationship with Father God. Do you see yourself as a beloved child? Or are you still striving to be received? Are you willing to come into the place where he can discipline you? You have to be willing to come into that place. It's a choice you get to make. He's not going to force it on you. He will withhold his blessings, which I, I, that, that alone makes me go, no, Father, please. But more importantly... I want to be in his presence. And to be in his presence means I have to come into submission. I know we don't like that word, but we need to. God loves his children so much that he disciplines us so that we can live in the fullness of his ways. He loves you. He loves you. Robert, he loves you so much that he's going to put the effort in to discipline you to live in the righteous fruit, that fruitful, peace, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Mark, he loves you so much. No, he loves you. Johnny, he loves you so much. He loves all of us so much. Are you willing to come? Be submitted. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. And I, I would like Trey to just continue playing as he is. And I want to take this time to just reflect in your own heart. And if you need prayer for anything, or you may need to just come to the altar and say, Father, I'm here. And the prayer teams will leave you alone. If you just come kneel down here, they'll leave you alone. If you need somebody, go up to them. Lord God Almighty, I thank you. Oh, Father, Daddy. Daddy, I thank you that you have loved me so much that you have been willing to discipline me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, as as we look at our hearts, I ask that you will draw to you your children.
And if you're not his child, now's the time. We will celebrate with you your new life. morning I feel like the Lord says do not run from his discipline but embrace his discipline you know he talked about how we see in shades a lot of times we don't like discipline because discipline has been dealt to us in an unperfect way you know this morning as I was sitting here at the tail end I had this imagery and uh, God gives me pictures and illustrations and different things like that how many of you have ever stepped on a sticker and it's stuck in your foot and it causes your whole body you know and I've had that happen to my children where I just grab them and I pick them up and they're freaking out because of that pain and the father just grabs a hold of you and he's holding you you're panicking because of the pain and what he's telling you this morning just calm down and then he just reaches over this little bitty sticker and he just grabs a hold of it and goes, blunk. And all of the pain is removed. It's really that simple, but we are in this array of panic and excitement over just, you know, it hurts. And we don't realize in that moment of us hurting, when God puts his arms around us, it's to embrace us and hold us because he really wants to deal with what's hurting us. The pain is not always God, right? Sometimes I think there is that induced, but he causes those moments of pain because guess what? In that moment of freeing us from what has pained us, we learn that when he wraps us in his arms to calm down, when he draws us close and he says, come here, child, we know even in our panic, my daughters do not handle, my wife does not handle pain well. Just be still. I'm going to get a hold of whatever it is because my heart is for you and it will be quickly removed. So I don't know what you're dealing with this morning or what it is that God is just grabbing a hold of and he's saying, son, calm down. Daughter, calm down. It's way less significant than you think in the hands of God. But if you'll just come and let him hold you and deal with that thing, it can be removed. So I don't know what, if that spoke to you, you're like, man, I know exactly what that is. And I've been fighting God. I've been resisting God. And that's something I need to surrender to. You need to do that today. Because if not, if you keep that sticker in your foot, you're going to gimp all the way back to your car. Right? And it'll, that sticker will put a grown man on the ground. I remember my kids saying, Dad, we can't walk in the yard. There's stickers. I was like, you all are lying. Three steps in, big noe's on the ground. Oh, you're right. Put your shoes on next time. But don't leave this place without allowing God to do what he wants to do. You have to trust him. You know, trust is sometimes earned and it takes time to uh, receive. Uh, had a person that visited our church and the first thing she told me I don't know why she told me this first she says I don't trust pastors I said that's okay just keep on coming now I bet if I asked her again the whole perspective has changed because sometimes it has to be re-earned something that is broken has to be rebuilt something it has to be re-established now humans pastors people fathers mothers we have a habit of messing things up. But God is perfect. The right amount of discipline, the right amount of correction. He always gives us what we need. Can you guys stand up with us? Take a little bit of the awkwardness out of it. Because I know that there's some of you in the room that you know just need to let God grab a hold of you and do what he wants to do. So I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to release you. The altar is still open. But if there's something that you don't want to take with you that you've been dealing with and God has brought to your attention this morning, 
I want you to kind of just linger and make your way forward as I dismiss. So nobody's looking at you. It's not a lot of pressure. But allow God to just hold you, to grab you tight, and to remove that thing that maybe has been hindering you, maybe, perhaps, for a lifetime. Mark and Dallas, thank you so much. May your ministry and lives be richly blessed. But Lord, we thank you for your goodness in this place. And Father, we desperately, desperately need you. Father, we don't necessarily love discipline, but we need discipline. So Father, I pray our perspective, our, uh, the, the way we see you, the, the way we feel you. And Father, Lord, that we would come to a place this morning of trusting in you. Lord, I thank you that you discipline those you love. And Father, I pray that we would just submit to you first and foremost, whatever you want to do, that we would trust that it's necessary, that it's of importance, because perhaps it's hindering us from being all that you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you that you work in us to produce the results that you need to do so that we become all that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray this morning as I release your people, Father, that they would draw near to you. Father, if they need ministry, that they wouldn't be hard-headed and they wouldn't run. But Father, they would just come dwell just for a little bit in your presence and be changed by your goodness. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing, seen and unseen. Father, our lives are yours and we trust you. And Father, we thank you for that godly discipline that we so desperately need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.